Welcome to this week's Digest edition of the Evening Times. From Friday the 27th of April to Thursday the 3rd of May 2018. Read by volunteers at Cune Review Print Speaking to the Blind at our studios in the Bishopriggs Media Centre. Coming up in part one. People make Glasgow doesn't always work out for tourists. Sainsbury's and Asda reveal details of £12 billion merger. Scots women could be hit by breast cancer blunder. LGBT people too scared to come out at work. A recycling facility is closing in Cumbernauld and people aren't happy. Transport cops launch campaign calling on victims of unwarranted sexual behaviour to report offences to police. Things to do in Glasgow this weekend. Minimum pricing could spell end of Frosty Jack sales. Glasgow Taxi's boss hits out at Glasgow City Council. Transport cops launch campaign calling on victims of unwarranted sexual behaviour to report offences to police. Developers resubmit Deniston flat plans despite residents' objection. Crow Road bin removal sparks war of words. Concerns over plans to move drug rehab centre to Annie's Land Retirement Village. Evening Times, on Monday the 30th of April 2018, Opinion Section. People make Glasgow doesn't always work out for tourists. This article by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. So, Glasgow's tourism bosses want visitors to the city to live like a local. I can see the wry smiles now. Anyone want to be the first to offer up a witty suggestion? Come to Govan Hill and live with the bedbugs. Visit Easter House and be chased by a gang. Visit the Gorbals and see yourself chibbed. As much as there's an intense local pride in Glasgow, there's also some quick-witted, self-deprecating character ready to put the city down. There's also always some naysayer who can't see the good in anything. The Gorbals and Easterhouse are far removed from their ancient negative stereotypes, and yes, as we told in the Evening Times last week, there are bedbugs in Govan Hill, but these are being tackled. Glasgow has much to recommend it, and much more in the pipeline. Last year, the New York Times offered up a dream job. Each year it runs its list of 52 places to visit. To freshen things up, the newspaper decided to offer one person the chance to visit each of the places and write about it. Around 13,000 people applied. No wonder. Being on the road continuously for a year might not be everyone's cup of tea, but for those of us with wanderlust, it sounded incredible. On the 2018 list among South Korea, New Orleans and Zambia is Glasgow, a wee explainer, along with the choice of city, was the work being done along the Clydeside. The new Clydeside distillery, the Riverside Museum and the residential, shopping and leisure plans to be completed by 2025. The city's tourism bosses must be delighted. Writer Hada Yuan visits Glasgow in June and local journalist Jamie Lafferty, who almost made the cut for the 52 Places Traveller job, is going to show her around. When it comes to tourists, you want to put out the best china. This means the big ticket items. Kelvin Grove Museum, Pollock House, the aforementioned Riverside Museum, Glasgow Cathedral. But to get a real feel for a city, which is what I imagine is what Ms. Wan's trying to do, you have to avoid the obvious and explore the city's less publicised nooks and crannies. That's the idea behind the new People Make Glasgow tourism strategy. David MacDonald, Chairman of Glasgow Life and Deputy Leader of the Council, offered this soundbite. There's a clear trend towards authenticity in travel today. Visitors want to experience real neighbourhoods and communities and immerse themselves in local culture. It's about connecting people and place in a genuine way. 
If you cut out the jargon, and that's some impressive jargon, he's saying, see the bits tourists wouldn't normally see. I'm all for that. One of the most interesting days I had in Cuba was when a local mum I started chatting to took me to visit her daughter's school. One of the best days in Cambodia was a visit to a family home where I was kindly given dinner, and so on. But there's a few issues here. Firstly, we say people make Glasgow, but that's not always the case. And you'll know what I mean if you've ever heard a bus driver in the city centre get shirty with a tourist who doesn't have exact change. So, before we get Texans wandering about Tall Cross and Malaysians inspecting Mary Hill, can we make sure everyone's in their Sunday best and on their finest behaviour? How about a wee look at the transport systems we're assuming people will use to travel to the outer reaches of Yoker and Bailiston? And what about cleaning up the chewing gum and litter on pavements we expect our new guests to walk on? It would be nice for the visitors, and nice for the residents. The city bosses owe us one that they were all working in hospitality. This article was by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. This article from the Evening Times News on the 30th of April 2018. Sainsbury's and Asda reveal details of £12 billion merger. This article was unattributed. Sainsbury's has confirmed it has agreed terms for a £12 billion merger with Walmart-owned Asda, setting the stage for one of the most audacious deals in British retail history. The duo, the UK's number two and three supermarkets, said that the unified group would have combined revenues of £51 billion and boast a network of 2,800 Sainsbury's, Asda and Argos stores. It will aim to generate £500 million in cost savings, but Sainsbury's insisted there is no planned store closures as part of the merger, with both brands to operate side by side. The combined supermarkets expect to lower prices by around 10% on products customers buy regularly. It will see Asda-owned Walmart hold 42% of the new business and receive £2.97 billion in cash, valuing Asda at £7.3 billion, and Sainsbury's is valued at around £5.9 billion. Sainsbury's chairman David Tyler said we believe that the combination of Sainsbury's and Asda will create substantial values for our shareholders and will be excellent news for our customers and our colleagues. As one of the largest employers in the country, the combined business will become an even greater contribution to the British economy. If it goes ahead, the combination will create a high street titan with a bigger share of the market than Tesco. Latest figures show that Tesco has 27.6% market share, whilst Sainsbury's has 15.8% and Asda has 15.6%. Together, they would move ahead of Tesco with 31.4% of the market. However, the merger would have to be approved by the Competition and Markets Authority, CMA. Following the tie-up, the two grocers will continue to have their own chief executive, Sainsbury's under Mike Coop and Asda under Roger Burnley. Mr Coop said this is a transformational opportunity to create a new force in UK retail, which will be more competitive and give customers more of what they want now and in the future. It will create a business that is more dynamic, more adaptable, more resilient, and an even bigger contributor to the UK economy. Having worked at Asda before Sainsbury's, I understand the culture and the business well and believe they are the best possible fit. This creates a great deal for customers, colleagues, suppliers and shareholders and I am excited about the opportunities ahead and what we can achieve together. Unions have raised fears over the prospects of jobs, although Sainsbury said that the deal will offer more opportunities for over 330,000 colleagues at all levels. Unite has called for guarantees on jobs 
and demanded sit-down meetings with senior bosses at both Sainsbury's and Asda. Liberal Democrat leader Sir Vince Cable, the former business secretary, said the CMA must investigate any deal with Shadow Business Secretary Rebecca Long Bailey echoing the call. Sir Vince said the CMA should force the companies to sell off stores if the merger meant the new giant would dominate in a particular area, telling the watchdog's new chief Andrew Tyree to get tough with monopolies. Mr Bailey warned that in the absence of a proper vetting it would be British shoppers that suffer from rising prices and British workers may be fearing for their jobs. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times on Wednesday the 3rd of May 2018 News Section Scots women could be hit by breast cancer blunder. This article unattributed. Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt has told MPs that officials are working to identify women living in Scotland that may be affected by a major breast cancer screening error. A computer algorithm failure dating back to 2009 has meant that hundreds of thousands of women aged 68 to 71 were not invited to their final routine screening. It's not yet known whether any delay in diagnosis resulted in avoidable death, but it is estimated that between 135 and 270 women had their lives shortened as a result. The issue primarily affects those living in England, but in answer to a question from the SNP, Mr Hunt said his department was working with the Scottish Government to identify any women who may have moved north of the border. SNP frontbencher Dr Philippa Whitford said, As the Secretary of State says, this issue did not apply in Scotland, but some of the women affected may now have moved and settled in Scotland, and I would like to know when did he inform the Scottish Government? He talks about the Department of Health knowing in January, as far as I can tell, officers in Scotland were informed of a minor issue in March and only told last week that this was actually more major and not told that it might affect women who now live in Scotland. There's clearly been preparation and talk about funding in England, but how many women have been identified that live in Scotland and what preparations for funding or expansion of services have been made for Scotland and indeed other devolved nations. She added... Will women who do not receive a letter in the next four weeks also be able to phone? Or can the Secretary of State really guarantee that if you don't hear by the end of the month, you're clear? As a doctor, I find that a bit scary. Mr Hunt responded, I will let her know the exact date the Scottish Government or Scottish Government officials were informed. I want to reassure her that if there are any additional costs to the Scottish health system, they will of course be recompensed. We don't think it will create major pressures in the Scottish screening programme and we are confident that we'll be able to contact everyone in the UK who is registered with a GP, whether in Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland or England by the end of May. He added, We've had very productive discussions with Scottish officials about the IT exchange that's going to be necessary to do them so that people living in Scotland would also get their letters by the end of May. We can't guarantee that absolutely every single one of these women will be contacted by the end of May. There will be some who've moved abroad, some who are not registered with a GP for whatever reason, but we do think we can get the vast majority of people. This article was unattributed. Here at Q&A Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141-772-3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. This article from the Evening Times News 
on the 1st of May 2018. LGBT people too scared to come out at work. This article by Caroline Wilson. Almost 60% of transgender people in Scotland have kept their identity secret due to fears of discrimination, according to research. Stonewall Scotland said a report involving 799 employees showed workplace bullying continues to be a serious problem for the LGBT population. It found that 36% had hidden their identity because they were afraid of discrimination and the figure rose to 58% for trans people. Of those 39% it had happened to work and 6% have been physically attacked by customers or colleagues in the last year because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Stonewall Scotland called for employers to develop zero tolerance policies on homophobic, biphobic and transphobic discrimination and harassment. This article by Caroline Wilson. The Evening Times on Thursday the 3rd of May 2018. News section. A recycling facility is closing in Cumbernauld and people aren't happy. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Residents in Cumbernauld have expressed their anger at the imminent closure of a recycling centre in the town. North Lanarkshire Council will officially close Westfield Household Waste Recycling Centre on Sunday. The local authorities say they took the decision to close the facility as part of its budget process for the year ahead, but residents have expressed their disappointment at the decision on social media. One said, this is absolutely disgraceful. Council tax goes up while services go down. This waste site is a much needed service, particularly given the situation with three weekly bin uplifts. Another added, I really don't understand why they're closing this facility. It's constantly busy and yet half the people I talk to don't even know it's there. It should be 24 hours and publicised so that all the people eligible to use it know about it. Another resident took to social media. Still can't get my head round this one. North Lanarkshire Council spent a large amount of money to build this excellent facility. It's well used, it's well managed. Can someone from the council please explain the rationale behind its closure? This move will end up costing money, as it will no doubt result in fly-tipping. People in the Northern Corridor are the forgotten citizens yet again. Please, any councillor willing to come on and justify why they're removing this facility from the local community. North Lanarkshire Council said residents in the area will be able to use the larger Ward Park Centre. It operates the same recycling and waste collection services and is open seven days a week, Monday to Saturday, 7am to 6pm, and Sundays, 7am to 5.30pm. Councillor Michael McPake, convener of the Infrastructure Committee, said The council operates another six household waste recycling centres across North Lanarkshire, which is well above the requirements for local authorities. We have installed new machinery at our centres, which increases the capacity within skips and makes the service more efficient. I appreciate the closure of Westfield may cause some inconvenience to local residents. However, the investment in the service overall will deliver an improved service. Signs are being erected at the Westfield Centre to advise residents of the closure. This article was by reporter Stacey Mullen. This article from the Evening Times News on the 1st of May 2018. Transport Cops launch campaign calling on victims of unwarranted sexual behaviour to report offences to police. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Transport Cops have launched a national campaign calling on victims of unwanted sexual behaviour to report offences to police, no matter how small. Every report builds a 
picture highlights how multiple reports from different people can help British Transport Police build a picture of offenders, even if some of those cases don't make it to court. This is the second phase of the Report It to Stop It campaign, which was launched in 2015 to tackle underreporting of sexual offences. Research showed that following this campaign there was an increase in reporting of sexual offences, but some victims were still unaware whether anything could or would be done to catch the offender. The campaign centres on a video of a man with a pixelated face, which is overlaid by the sound of victims recounting what has happened to them. At each report, it heard the man's face becomes clearer. He is then arrested. Behaviour is anything that makes a person feel uncomfortable. Passengers can report anything of a sexual nature including rubbing, groping, masturbation, leering, sexual comments and indecent acts. Victims don't have to prove that it was a criminal offence or that it was committed intentionally, as our officers will investigate that. The target week of action will see uniformed officers step up patrols and advise commuters on how to report unwanted sexual behaviour. We want people to know they can discreetly text 61016, which is monitored by our control team. Plain-clothed officers will also be looking out for any potential offenders on the network. Further days of engagement and action will be carried out in the coming weeks to support the campaign, which, with officers handing out leaflets and giving advice to commuters and tourists. Executive Chief Superintendent Paul Fernell said, Taking all forms of unwanted sexual behaviour on our railways is a priority for us. Each report we receive provides us with valuable information which can be used to build up a picture of an offender. The sooner we receive a report, the better chance we have of catching the offender. We want people to know that even if they think something is too small to be taken seriously by police, that is not the case. Often it allows us to notice a pattern of offending behaviour and we will take action. Although normally an increase is reported crime is seen as negative, we welcome the increased reportings of sexual behaviour. This indicates an increased awareness that all types of unwanted sexual behaviour are unacceptable. More people have the confidence to report what has happened to them and know we will take them seriously. No incident is too small or trivial. We will always take you seriously. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. The Evening Times on Thursday, the 3rd of May, 2018. News section. Things to do in Glasgow this weekend. This article by Aftab Ali. Glasgow Walking Lunch, Royal Exchange Square, Saturday. Travel through 1,000 years of Glasgow history as hungry explorers are led on a guided tour to unearth the city's fascinating past, all while enjoying plenty of food along the way. Search the event name, Glasgow Walking Lunch, on eventbrite.co.uk to book. Dragopticon, Britannia Panopticon Music Hall, tomorrow. A monthly live drag cabaret and variety show performed in and contributing to the charity conservation of the world's oldest surviving music hall. Tickets are £5. Visit britanniapanopticon.org. Rum and Reggae Festival, Barrowland Ballroom, Saturday and Sunday. Take a rum journey around the world and taste rare and special craft rums from the West Indies, Cuba, South America and the US. Alongside this, enjoy some amazing reggae acts performing all day. Buy tickets at eventbrite.com.
Food and Farmers Market, Bad Sunday. The heart of the Barrows Market will be filled with all things food. Taste some of Scotland's best street food from vendors, and take home some excellent products from a wide selection of stallholders. Free entry. Free comic book day, Geekaboo Saturday. Head along to Queen Street and pick up your free comics. This year, there are around fifteen thousand comics in store. As always, organisers will have special guests and giveaways. Forbidden Planet's birthday, Buchanan Street Sunday. The Ghostbusters of Glasgow will be handing out goodie bags and taking photos with fans as this cornerstone of the city's comic book scene turns the big three zero. Bubble Rush, Belhuston Park Sunday. The 5K course starts in a sea of bubbles is back and features four bubble stations along the route where cannons pump out coloured foam to create a deep bubble bath. Register at princeandprincessofwaleshospice.org.uk Heather Small, O2 ABC, Saturday. The voice of M People hits the city as part of her UK tour with massive 90s hits Moving On Up, How Can I Love You More and One Night in Heaven. Tickets are £32, with fees from Ticketmaster. Stereo Funk Festival, Strathclyde Country Park, Sunday. This unique boutique music festival has firmly established itself in the Scottish clubbing calendar as the first festival of summer. Get ready for plenty of GBX anthems, Jesse Block and much, much more. Visit tickets-scotland.com to book. Bank Holiday Weekender, The Backyard, Saturday and Sunday. Grab the dog and kids and take yourself along for some great drinks, food and an amazing vibe. And don't miss the Yorkie Pudding Wrap Eating Competition, Quo Vadis, Sunday. The popular watering hole has been on the lookout for six brave contestants as it celebrates the launch of a new menu. Funds will also be going to Macmillan. The winner gets a special limited edition t-shirt and £25 to spend on celebratory drinks. Karaoke will be after 8pm. This article was by Aftab Ali. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for and Review. Now, back to the main programme. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 1st of May 2018... Minimum pricing could spell end of Frosty Jack sales. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Minimum pricing of alcohol could remove the cheapest strong white ciders from shelves. The new law takes effect today with shops forced to increase prices of at least 50 pence per unit of alcohol. It will mean 3 litre bottles of strong 7.5% cider will cost £7.50, trebling the price of some brands. The Evening Times spoke to shopkeepers in the city to ask the impact it would have on trade and the effect on customers. A 75cl bottle of bottle of 37.5% vodka will cost £13.13, 
and a 40% ABV bottle of whiskey, £14. Independent of sales in Glasgow, said it won't affect most customers. But they said they will no longer stock strong ciders like Pulse or Frosty Jacks as customers could no longer buy them. In high spirit of sales in West Nile Street, Betty Glen serves a customer two cans of Tenant's Super Lager costing £1.99 each. She said that price will not change. She added it will affect HCC Cider. That will double in price from £1 a can to £2. She serves a customer four cans and tells him it will cost £8 from tomorrow. As she leaves, we asked him what he thought about the price of his tipple doubling. He said, I know they are trying to stop the wines drinking, but what about the adults? Miss Glenn was not impressed by the minimum pricing strategy. She added, they should look at why people drink in the first place rather than the price of the drink. It is just to make it look like they are doing something about the drink problem. It won't affect my customers and it won't affect much of what I sell. I won't order any more Frosties or Pulse. I didn't sell a lot of it anyway. In the Barton Road, Mr P Singh in Day to Day has just repriced most of his stock to meet the new laws. He has around a dozen bottles of Pulse Strong Cider still with a label price of two forty nine for a two litre bottle. He said he will sell some of it before closing, then it will be gone from the shelves and he will not stock it anymore. He said my customers have been okay with the new law. Some have complained, but most do not have a problem with it. I won't sell strong ciders anymore at more than £11 on one will buy it. They will buy something else. The Evening Times asked leading supermarkets what prices will increase and if it would affect products already sold above the 50 pence minimum. Tesco said we wouldn't comment on specifics at this stage. Morrison's apologised for being unable to provide information, stating that it said it would take too much time to gather the information and some would be commercially sensitive, as did they not respond to our questions. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. The Evening Times, on Monday the 30th of April 2018. News section. Glasgow Taxi's boss hits out at Glasgow City Council. This article by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. A taxi boss has claimed the City Council is harming one of Glasgow's most important businesses. In a raft of criticisms, Glasgow Taxi's chairman Stephen Flynn said the council is handing out too many licences, causing pollution in the city centre despite a policy to make Glasgow greener, overstretching its taxi enforcement team, failing residents with too few ranks in the city and should suspend granting licences while a citywide survey of provision is underway. Mr Flynn spoke out following the licensing committee awarding a new booking office licence to private hire app firm Uber. As told in the Evening Times earlier this month, Union Unite is said it's considering reporting the council to the ombudsman over the decision. Glasgow Taxis, Unite and the Greater Glasgow Private Hire Association all claim that Uber go through an office in Holland and not its Buchanan Street premises. Uber strongly denies this. Having a booking office in the city that directly deals with customers' bookings is one of the conditions of being granted a licence. Mr Flynn said Glasgow Taxis has been in the city for more than five decades, but he worries for the firm's future in the face of council actions. He said, We try our best to help the city, and sometimes we feel let down. As a company, our first instinct is to make sure the people of Glasgow are safe and can travel in the safest way possible. 
I'm worried about where the taxi trade will go in the next 10 years because of council decisions being made now. The only people who suffer are the people of Glasgow. Mr Flynn points to his company's ethos of corporate social responsibility, citing the annual taxi trip to Troon for additional needs children and support for the Prince and Princess of Wales Hospice. Glasgow Taxis also pays £58,000 each year towards the night zone in Glasgow City Centre, manned ranks helping people get home from nights out. Glasgow City Council has commissioned a survey looking at unmet demand in the city. Mr Flynn added, The council wants less vehicles in the city centre for environmental reasons, and yet it gave out another 1,000 licences last year. There could be another 500 licences given out between now and the unmet demand survey. What will happen if the results of the survey show the city is at saturation point? It can't ask for licences back. And the city is at saturation point. It's not about competition. It's about following the rules and regulations. A spokesman for Glasgow City Council said the council works closely with the taxi trade and understands a number of their concerns. However, he added, All decisions in relation to the taxi and private hire car trade are entirely in accordance with the rules that govern the Licensing and Regulatory Committee as set out in the Civic Government Scotland Act. We have initiated an independent assessment of whether demand for taxis and private hire cars is unmet by the current provision of drivers and vehicles in the city. It would be wrong and unlawful of the council to prejudge the findings of that independent. He said the taxi enforcement team is meeting its current targets and carried out 8,000 roadside inspections and deals with 1,000 complaints from the public. The spokesman added, The council wants the city centre to be used by cleaner and fewer vehicles and has updated its vehicle standards to allow the use of suitable low-emission and electric vehicles for the taxi and private hire car trade. We are in regular dialogue with the taxi trade about the provision of taxi ranks in the city and adjust their location as circumstances demand. This article was by columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. This article from the Evening Times News on the 1st of May 2018. Transport cops launch campaign calling on victims of unwarranted sexual behaviour to report offences to police. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Transport cops have launched a national campaign calling on victims of unwanted sexual behaviour to report offences to police, no matter how small. Every report builds a picture highlights how multiple reports from different people can help British Transport Police build a picture of offenders, even if some of those cases don't make it to court. This is the second phase of the Report It to Stop It campaign, which was launched in 2015 to tackle underreporting of sexual offences. Research showed that following this campaign there was an increase in reporting of sexual offences, but some victims were still unaware whether anything could or would be done to catch the offender. The campaign centres on a video of a man with a pixelated face, which is overlaid by the sound of victims recounting what has happened to them. At each report, it heard the man's face becomes clearer. He is then arrested. Behaviour is anything that makes a person feel uncomfortable. Passengers can report anything of a sexual nature including rubbing, groping, masturbation, leering, sexual comments and indecent acts. Victims don't have to prove that it was a criminal offence or that it was committed intentionally, as their officers will investigate that. The target week of action will see uniformed officers step up patrols and advise commuters on how to report unwanted sexual behaviour. We want people to know they can discreetly text 61016, 
which is monitored by our control team. Plain clothed officers will also be looking out for any potential offenders on the network. Further days of engagement and action will be carried out in the coming weeks to support the campaign, which, with officers handing out leaflets and giving advice to commuters and tourists. Executive Chief Superintendent Paul Fernell said, Taking all forms of unwanted sexual behaviour on our railways is a priority for us. Each report we receive provides us with valuable information which can be used to build up a picture of an offender. The sooner we receive a report, the better chance we have of catching the offender. We want people to know that even if they think something is too small to be taken seriously by police, that is not the case. Often it allows us to notice a pattern of offending behaviour and we will take action. Although normally an increase is reported crime is seen as negative, we welcome the increased reportings of sexual behaviour. This indicates an increased awareness that all types of unwanted sexual behaviour are unacceptable. More people have the confidence to report what has happened to them and know we will take them seriously. No incident is too small or trivial. We will always take you seriously. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts. For free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. This article from the Evening Times News on the 30th of April 2018. Developers resubmit Deniston flat plans despite residents' objections. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Plans have been resubmitted to turn a former place of worship into a block of flats in Glasgow's East End, despite city planners previously refusing the application. Nixon Blues making a second attempt to get permission to build 31 flats in Deniston. The firm purchased the site on the former Deniston Gospel Hall on Finlay Drive with the intention of building a residential development which would offer flats for sale. The site, which is at the corner of Finlay Drive in Armadale Street, has been the home of Deniston Gospel Hall, who sold it due to the decline in the size of the congregation over the number of years. Prior to resubmitting the plans, Nixon Blue had discussions with planning officers about concerns raised in the previous application, which was refused. Despite the new plans having been submitted with the advice of planning officers, Deniston residents are still not happy and have submitted their objections. They are worried about the impact the development would have on parking. They also felt the plans for the building were not in keeping with their traditional tenement properties in the surrounding area. Mr Ian Hill said this application was rejected earlier this year and I can see no change in the plans or building materials as before. The very fact that this appears to be the exact same designs as before shows the developers' lack of concern and contempt they have for local residents and the city council. He added, surely this should not be treated as a new application but as an appeal against the previous refusal. Miss Irene Wallace said, this application has been submitted before and was rejected, showing that the council can clearly see the issues with the proposed new building and that the residents of Deniston object to this application. The site of the proposed building is right behind my flat. 
and its six floors tall will completely overshadow the flat on Rossley Drive and block out the light at the back of the building. Parking is already an issue in Deniston and the plan indicated that only eight parking spaces will be built for 31 flats. This is wholly inadequate and will only cause more problems with parking in the area, creating potential for careless and unsafe parking and driving. A decision is expected on the planning application in June. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. The Evening Times on Wednesday the 2nd of May 2018. News section. Crow Road bin removal sparks war of words. This article by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. Recycling bins in a supermarket car park were not removed at the request of Glasgow City Council. It follows Sainsbury's tweeting its 500,000 followers that the council got rid of a recycling point at its Crow Road store to make way for parking spaces. The recycling point was removed when a video of a rat invasion around the recycle point went viral on social media, as reported by the Evening Times. A council spokeswoman said, This is not true. The recycling units at Crow Road Retail Park were removed at the request of the owners and management. A member of the public had tweeted the groceries giant asking why the recycling bins had disappeared. The official account responded, I've spoken to the store, this was removed by Glasgow City Council so that more car parking spaces can be put in. Sainsbury's, which is undergoing a merger with Asda, failed to mention the rat infestation in its car park as the likely reason for the removal of the recycling unit. The Twitter exchange created the impression the council was contradicting one of its biggest mantras to make Glasgow a low-carbon, sustainable city. The council's PR team was quick to rebuke the claims made on the social media account. The spokeswoman added, How they utilise the space is up to the owners, not the council. This article was by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 30th of April 2018. Concerns over plans to move drug rehab centre to Annie's Land Retirement Village. This article by Holly Lennon. Concerns have been raised over plans to open a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre beside a retirement home in the West End. Phoenix Futures Scotland have purchased the former Monroe Court care home in Annie's Land with the intention of moving a current service from the northeast of Glasgow. The property neighbours Castle Bank Gardens Retirement Housing, which is home to vulnerable elderly people who are unable to live independently. Bosses at the Residential Rehab Service said they are keen to move into the former Dementia Specialist Centre as it provides a more accessible and spacious environment for their staff and service users. The plans, which are in the early stages, have already faced opposition from residents and local councillors who claim the sale was done without adequate consultation. Owners of the property bailed issued a letter to tenants at the retirement home last week informing them of the plans which are already being considered by Glasgow City Council's planning committee. Planning bosses said the change in client group would not be relevant to their decision. A spokesman for Beald said since the decision was made to close Monroe Court in 2016, the property has been surplus to requirements and is laying unoccupied. A feasibility study during 2016-17 confirmed that there was little chance of development by Beald for other services due to existing design and site constraints. Empty buildings increase security, fire and vandalism risks, so the sale to Phoenix Features Scotland, a highly regarded award-winning charity, 
that has been operating successfully for 50 years not only removes these threats but provides for an innovative use of the property. Indeed, in time, we believe the arrival of Phoenix Futures Scotland will be a benefit to the neighbouring residents in terms of potential partnership, working and volunteering services. I am confident that the work of Phoenix Futures Scotland will, in time, have little direct impact on our residents. The sale, like all commercial contracts, had to remain confidential while the process was underway. In addition, there is no requirement or remit for Peel to engage in formal consultations with transactions of this nature. Beald and Phoenix Features Scotland have already met with residents to discuss their questions and an additional meeting is also planned to allay any further concerns. Bosses at Phoenix Features Scotland said they were keen to meet with local residents to clarify what they do. A spokesman added there are obviously many different types of drug and alcohol treatment approaches and so we are keen for people to understand this type of residential service and how we staff the service 24-7 cover. The fact that it is a drug and alcohol free environment, the structured nature of the programme we run and the planned approach to admission and discharging clients on pre-arranged placements, the high levels of success rates and the strong evidence base. Councillor Malcolm Balfour will be holding a public meeting at Yarrow Bowling Club on Wednesday morning at 10am to discuss the plans. This article by Holly Lennon. This is the end of part one. After a short break, we'll be coming back in part two with more great articles from the Evening Times. This is a message from the NFB UK, the National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom. What is NFB UK? The National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom, NFB UK, is a self-help organisation of blind, partially sighted and deaf-blind people helping each other to help ourselves. It's an independent, non-political charity that campaigns for greater rights, citizenship and independent living. How does NFB UK work? We have a network of branches around the country where members and supporters can meet locally. The branches keep our members in touch with their local community and represent their views to local and national authorities and society in general. We provide information for our members in Braille, large print, audio and electronic formats. We work with local and national organisations to improve the quality of life for all blind, partially sighted, deaf-blind people and those whose sight impairment is part of multidisability. NFB UK campaigns to defend essential benefits and social care services and seeks wider provision of these services and equipment to help us lead independent lives. We have local branches around the country and are aiming to open new branches in more areas. What are the benefits of joining NFB UK? You meet other blind, partially sighted and deafblind people with an interest in peer support, campaigning and making a difference. Members decide and shape which issues and campaigns to focus on and you decide how you want to work on campaigns. It's free to join this year. You will benefit from our special offer of one year's free membership. You can receive regular updates and share information through newsletter, e-group and our audio magazine for members. Founded in 1947, we have played a leading role in Articles for the Blind postal concessions, the retention of different banknote sizes according to denomination and tactile street paving. Current Issues We are currently active in issues around shared spaces and the built environment. 
disabled students' allowance, social care and rehabilitation, and the NHS and accessible information standards. Join us. If you are blind, partially sighted or deafblind, become a full member. We welcome sighted people to join as associate members. Any donation you can make will assist us to further our campaigning. For more information, visit www.nfbuk.org. Contact us via post, NFBUK, Sir John Wilson House, 215 Kirkgate, Wakefield, West Yorkshire, WF1, 1JG. That's Whiskey Foxtrot 1, 1 Juliet Golf. Telephone us, 01924 291 313. Or email, admin at nfbuk.org. Also on Twitter and Facebook, at nfbuk. Now, back to the main programme. This is part two. Coming up. Revenge porn victim Kelly is on song in fight against online trolls. Glasgow schoolboy told teacher he had never seen the sea. New rooftop bar opening this month near the SSE Hydro in Finiston. Glasgow teacher forced to organise unique school trip for poor pupils. Comedian Frankie Boyle announces new shows in Glasgow. Campaigners angry at risk from nuclear road convoys. Graham Murty relieved of his duties as Rangers manager. Celtic 5, Rangers 0. Hoops run riot at Parkhead to clinch Premiership title. Relaxed Brendan Rodgers encourages Celtic playmaker Tom Rojic to take his time making life decision. Rangers. What will Steven Gerrard inherit at Ibrox and where does he need to strengthen this summer? Celtic 5, Rangers 0. No words offered and none would have been accepted by Light Blues fans. Celtic coach Michael O'Halloran frustrated after Glasgow Cup defeat to Rangers. Rangers directors Paul Murray and Barry Scott stepped down from Ibrox board. Celtic striker Odson Edward can be Musa Dembele's replacement, says Brendan Rodgers. SPFL confirm fixture release date for 2018-19 Scottish football season. This article from the Evening Times News on the 3rd of May 2018. Revenge porn victim Kelly is on song in fight against online trolls. This article was unattributed. An Erskine mother who was a victim of revenge porn has joined a high-profile fight to save our trolls after taking part in a spoof charity song highlighting online abuse. Kelly McGurk, 29, became involved in recording the song which features vocals from pop singer Charlotte Church and acting stars Miranda Hart and Andy Serkis after she became the victim of online trolling. Kelly's ex-boyfriend, Jamie Leach, took explicit photos of her as she slept and shared them with his friends after they split up. Leach was spared jail for the offence after pleading guilty at Paisley Shed of Court last September, but Kelly was targeted by trolls for telling her story. The song, created by Agency Mother, was broadcast for the first time on Monday during Women's Hour on Radio 4, and features Kelly and three other women who have also experienced online abuse. Kelly said, All of us have different stories, but we all experienced online abuse. 
We wanted to create something that would really open people's eyes to the issue. We want people to think before they sit down at a computer screen, because those people wouldn't say these things to someone's face. But we also want to make sure there is support for these trolls, because there has to be something seriously wrong with them. I hope we have raised some awareness. Kelly did many interviews with top news outlets after waiving her anonymity, but generally experiencing negative reaction from people. The mother of one said she hopes the song will change that perception. She said, I did a lot of interviews, but there was a lot of negativity around them, and we wanted to get something out there that wasn't negative. We are all very passionate about this song, and think it was a great way to get the message across. Everyone out there has at some point been bullied. Even I have been nasty to people in the past. I'm not trying to make out I'm an angel. Singing is a great way to communicate things, and we hope it will make a difference. Kelly was sent screenshots of photos which had been passing around months after she ended the relationship. Leach was placed on the sex offender register for 18 months and is being supervised by social workers. He had also handed a community payback order and was instructed to pay Kelly £500 in compensation. To hear Save Our Trolls, go to www.youtube.com forward slash watch question mark v equals y y z x k i o l u and symbol T equals 186S. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times On Thursday the 3rd of May 2018 News section Glasgow schoolboy told teacher he had never seen the sea. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. A head teacher in one of the poorest parts of Glasgow has told MSPs how she organised a school trip after a primary seven pupil asked her, what is the sea? Children going to school with no lunch money, parents unable to afford cash for trips and the cost of replacing clothing throughout the year were all cited as serious issues. Nancy Clooney, head teacher of Dalmarnock Primary, told the Scottish Parliament's Education Committee how her school has been working with parents to ensure that they get the help needed and to make sure that no child feels excluded or suffers the stigma of poverty. Homework club, breakfast club therapy sessions with parents and opening the school in the summer for parents and children were all part of the strategy to improve attainment. Ms Clooney said that free school meals for primary one to primary three pupils was a good policy, but some older children miss out. She said, if it's free for all, there is no stigma. However, she added, the biggest challenge is that making sure the children who are entitled to it in primary four upwards is that the parents have submitted the form. Quickly the debt can rack up. She said some others don't have money to pay for lunch. The head teacher said some children come up and quietly say that their mum couldn't give them money for lunch. She added that no one goes without. She said, there's always food at Dalmarnock. Ms Clooney said up until last year she had to cancel school trips as so many parents couldn't afford to pay the cost. She said that she has used pupil equity funding to meet the cost of trips and a primary seven residential trip so parents only have a small amount to find. She said that the challenges facing schools and parents now are as bad as any in her many years of teaching. Ms Clooney said, I've been teaching for 40 years and I've seen huge changes. Things got better for a long time but I see things going back to when I first started. There's a lack of opportunities. Schools make up this and take them places, but there are cost implications. 
She recalled how she organised a school outing after a primary seven pupil asked her, what is the C? Miss Clooney added, they're watching TV and are computer savvy, presented with this wonderful world but have no experience of it. She said when she took over the school ten years ago, she and her staff decided that the best way forward was a whole family approach. This article was by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 3rd of April 2018. New rooftop bar opening this month near the SSE Hydro in Finiston. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. A city hotel near a popular music venue is planning to open a rooftop bar. The new Radisson Red said that their rooftop bar will open on May the 11th. The Finiston venue opened earlier this week and is situated next to the SSE Hydro. The Radisson Red concept is the first of hotel of its kind within the popular hotel chain, offering everything from keyless entry to self-check-in and check-out technology. Features heavily throughout the hotel, which is 174 rooms. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 3rd of May 2018, News Section. Glasgow teacher forced to organise unique school trip for poor pupils. This article by Andrew Denham. Pupils from some of Scotland's most deprived urban communities have never seen the sea or been to a farm. A head teacher from a primary school serving one of Glasgow's most disadvantaged neighbourhoods said the limited experiences of some pupils had a significant impact on their education. Nancy Clooney, head teacher at Dalmarnock Primary School in the city's East End, revealed the concerns at a meeting of the Scottish Parliament's Education Committee, which is investigating the impact of poverty on attainment. She recalled a situation last year when she organised a school outing after a primary seven pupil told her he had never seen the sea. Ms Clooney, who has 40 years experience in classrooms, said, My children are being faced with texts talking about farms or the seaside. Many of them have never experienced it. One wee boy in primary seven said to me last year, Miss Clooney, what is the sea? So we booked a bus and took the kids to Lunderston Bay. That's the river, but for that child it was the sea, and for that child it might be the only chance he's got. Miss Clooney went on to highlight the importance of trips where children cuddled a bunny rabbit, climbed a mountain, or threw stones into the river. She added, it's these kinds of things that are missing, but they're expected to know that when they're reading a text to understand things they've never experienced, and it's very difficult. The committee also heard that parents could feel like an outcast if they were unable to provide children with computers and tablets to help them do their homework. Anti-poverty campaigner Brian Scott spoke about the underlying nation, which can leave parents feeling a sense of failure and embarrassed. Mr Scott, Commissioner for the Poverty Truth Commission, spoke about how some families were being left out because they could not afford computers or electronic tablets. He said... Some teachers assume that all children have access to a computer. If they put activities online, then they assume they can go home and have got tablets or phones. Most children do, but a few children don't. They are left out and stigmatised. We're in the technical age, which is great if you can afford to take part in it. But if you don't have the means, you sometimes feel like an outcast because you're outside the system everyone else has access to. That's a source of stigmatisation and a source of embarrassment. Satwat Rayman, director of One Parent Families Scotland, highlighted Westminster welfare reforms as one of the causes of poverty. Ms Rayman added that schools and others were trying to deal with its impact at the same time as problems were increasing. She also cited the increase in casual employment and the growth of zero-hours contracts as other factors. 
Almost two-fifths of children living in Scotland are in single-parent families, she said, claiming that the Equality and Human Rights Commission had warned that single parents could lose a fifth of their income by 2021 as a result of benefits changes. We're looking at how we're going to address a poverty-related attainment gap at a time when poverty is projected to increase, she said. This article was by Andrew Denham. Here at q and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. This article from the Evening Times News on the 3rd of May 2018. Comedian Frankie Boyle announces new shows in Glasgow. This article by reporter Stacey Mullen. Funny man Frankie Boyle has just announced new shows in Glasgow this summer. The new show Frankie Boyle Prometheus Volume 3 will be at the Theatre Royal in the city from August the 16th to the 18th. The show is Volume 3 of his 8 volume Prometheus sequence. The new dates come after a run at the stand in the summer called Work in Progress. Buy tickets to Frankie Boyle, Theatre Royal Glasgow, here at ATG Tickets. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 3rd of May 2018. News section. Campaigners angry at risk from nuclear road convoys. This article unattributed. Ministers are set to come under fire for failing to protect people from nuclear weapons convoys passing through Renfrewshire and around the border of East Renfrewshire. Lorries carrying explosives and nuclear warheads to the Royal Navy Armaments Depot at Colport regularly pass through both areas, as well as many others in the central belt and borders. However, campaigners say no information on what to do in an emergency involving a nuclear reactor is circulated in any of the areas the vehicles pass through. Last August, a report highlighted freedom of information requests from Green MSPs, which showed that no councils have conducted risk assessments in relation to the convoys. Mark Ruskell, Environment Spokesman for the Green Party, will lead a debate in Holyrood demanding police, fire and rescue services and local authorities have sufficient plans in place to respond to an emergency. He said, Many people are still surprised when told that nuclear weapons convoys routinely pass by houses and schools, and what shocks people is that councils have not assessed the risk, despite councils being Category 1 responders and expected to be among the first to deal with any incident. The Scottish Government, which is responsible for community safety and emergency planning, cannot brush off this issue, because defence is a reserved matter. It must urgently lead a review of the situation and make its findings public. SNP and Labour MSPs have supported my motion, so ministers are under pressure. Renfrewshire South MSP Tom Arthur and West of Scotland MSP Ross Greer have backed the motion. A Scottish Government spokesman said, We expect any transportation to be carried out safely and securely and have made that position clear to the UK Government, which is responsible. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times, Sports. On the 1st of May 2018, Graham Murty relieved of his duties as Rangers manager. This Article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack Graham Murty today has stepped down from his position as Rangers manager with just three Premiership games remaining. The 43-year-old saw his side lose 5-0 to Celtic on Sunday as the champions secured a seventh consecutive top-flight crown at Parkhead. 
and that old farm embarrassment will be his final match in charge of the Jairs. Marte held talks with managing director Stuart Robertson on Tuesday morning and his short tenure as boss came to an end. A Rangers statement read, Graham Marty has this morning been relieved of his duties as manager of Rangers. Jimmy Nicholl and Jonathan Johansson will take charge of the team for the three remaining matches of the season. Rangers are grateful to Graham, who did not hesitate when asked last October to become interim manager after the departure of Pedro Caxina, and then at this turn of the year, when he was offered the role as manager until the end of the season. Graham has had to contend with difficult and challenging circumstances, but conducted himself in a thoroughly professional manner. He will take some time to consider his options, which include returning to his role at the Rangers Academy. Jimmy Nicholl and Jonathan Johansson have already started preparing the team for the match against Kilmarnock on Saturday, and they will be in place for the two remaining fixtures against Aberdeen and Hibernian. The club hopes to be in a position to comment further on the managerial status in the near future. Marty was appointed as under-20s boss during Mark Warburton's time at Ibrox and was then asked to step into the first-team dugout following the Englishman's departure last season. He returned to the Auchenhowie youth set-up when Pedro Caxina was appointed, but the Portuguese's tenure was short-lived as Rangers crashed out of the Europa League to progress near corn and faltered in the opening weeks of the Premiership campaign. Marty answered the call of duty for a second time in October and led his side to successive wins over Derek McInnes, Aberdeen and kickstart their season. When McInnes rejected a return to his former club in December, Marty was handed a deal until the end of the season and given the chance to earn a long-term contract, but the 3-2 defeat at Celtic in March was a huge blow to his aspirations as Brendan Rodgers' side took a significant step forward towards securing seven in a row. The two further old firm losses could leave a lasting impression on Marty. Rangers were beaten 4-0 in the Scottish Cup semi-finals last month, after which Captain Lee Wallace and striker Kenny Miller were suspended following pending investigation following an alleged dressing room row. The light blues then had to watch as Celtic wrapped up the league title on Sunday. Marty did not attend his post-match press conference at Parkhead when no player was made available for interview in the aftermath of the 5-0 humiliation. The former Scotland defender had spoken bullishly about the future before the derby clash and insisted he had four games left in which to keep his job. But he will not be in dugout on Saturday when Rangers face Kilmarnock. The Jairs are third in the standing with just three fixtures left and will head to Aberdeen and Hibernian in the final week of the campaign as they attempt to finish best of the rest. The departure of Marty clears the way for Rangers to confirm the appointment of Stephen Gerrard as boss. The Liverpool legend has been identified by director of football Mark Allen as the man to lead the White Blues and the top flight next term and discussions have progressed in recent days. As reported in Sport Times today, Gerard could be announced as a manager before the end of the week as he gets set up to go head-to-head with former 
Anfield boss Rogers, the 37-year-old, has no managerial experience at first team level, but he hasn't put the eyebrows board off as they prepare to back their man financially during the summer transfer window. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. The Evening Times. On Monday, the 30th of April 2018, Sports Section. Celtic 5, Rangers 0. Hoops run riot at Parkhead to clinch Premiership title. This article by Scott Mullen. Originally published on Sunday, the 29th of April 2018. Celtic ripped Rangers apart in a 5-0 humiliation to claim their seventh Scottish title in a row. Just two weeks on from a 4-0 demolition at Hampden Park, Celtic Park witnessed an even more one-sided contest as Brendan Rodgers' men rampaged to another Old Firm victory in front of their own fans. Odson Edwards' opener on 14 minutes set the tone before the French under-21 internationalist grabbed his second four minutes before the break. James Forrest claimed his first ever goal against Rangers on the stroke of half-time to kill off any faint hope of a comeback before Tom Rogic capitalised on chaos in the Rangers' defence to grab a fourth two minutes after the restart. Callum McGregor's strike on 53 minutes made it five as Celtic's domestic double, with a potential treble still on the table, was claimed. Celtic's biggest ever win over their old firm rivals was 7-1 back in 1957, In the East End of Glasgow, that 61-year record looked in grave danger of being toppled. Indeed, if it wasn't for Jack Anik, it would have been surpassed. This was the league leaders at their best, and Rangers at their worst. From the first minute, the reigning Ladbrokes Premiership champions had a spring in their step, and determination not to let the opportunity of winning their latest league title against their rivals slip them by. For Rangers, it was yet another abysmal collapse – Graham Murty has had to contend with two of his players being suspended and in the last few days talk of Steven Gerrard getting the job he had hoped to retain beyond the summer. What hope he still held on to was surely lost as his team capitulated upon the concession of Celtic's second goal. In truth, the scoreline could have been anything. On eight minutes, Celtic came within a whisker of taking the lead through a McGregor corner. The midfielder's short delivery found its mark in the form of Mikael Lustig and his cute flick was just a couple of feet over the bar from the near post. The opener wasn't far away though and came on 14 minutes. It was created by the feet of Kieran Tierney who outmanoeuvred a static Daniel Candeas as he bolted for the byline to drill across the six-yard box. His ball fell perfectly for Edward to turn into the net. Stick were flying and well in control of the game but they were almost stung by a quick breakdown on the left on 26 minutes. Jamie Murphy's perfectly weighted ball found Jason Holt running from deep. The Rangers midfielder just managed to get a shot off, which Craig Gordon got a fingertip to, with Tierney mopping up before Joss Windus could pounce on the rebound. Twelve minutes later, Windus should have done better himself, this time breaking on the counter down the right, but his poor cut back failed to find Jason Cummings as Celtic mopped up. But just when you thought Murty's men had gained a solid foothold in the match, they conceded a sloppy second on 41 minutes. Edward was as much the architect as the poorest Rangers defence, who backed off the Celtic striker as he rampaged towards goal. Russell Martin and Andy Halliday failed to challenge the striker before he drilled a low shot through the former and beyond Anik from 10 yards. It was three just four minutes later. In a similar fashion to the second, Forrest collected the ball on the right and ran straight through the opposition, including Cummings, Murphy and Halliday, on the way to rifling a low shot into the net. A beleaguered Rangers went down the tunnel at half-time and they were given no time to recompose themselves by the time Celtic made it four just two minutes after the break. 
Good work on the edge of the area by Forrest eventually saw the ball falling for Tierney, who went down in the box. As the ground appealed for a penalty and the Rangers' defence stood idle, Rojic pounced to sweep the ball into the top corner with Annex stranded. Celtic looked like scoring every time they went forward and did so again six minutes later with great ease. Edouard was involved again, this time skipping by James Tavernier in the box to cut a ball back from a Groot. The midfielder nipped in front of Ross McCrory to tap in. Rojic and substitute Lee Griffiths both had chances to extend the lead further, while Rangers substitute Alfredo Morelos choked as he found himself free in the box for Craig Gordon to block at his feet. Not for the first time in this fixture, this was Celtic's day. And on this evidence, it won't be their last. This article was by Scott Mullen. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. On Wednesday, the 2nd of May 2018. Sports section. Relaxed Brendan Rogers encourages Celtic playmaker Tom Rogic to take his time making life decision. This article by Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. Brendan Rodgers has urged Tom Rogic to take as much time as he needs to make a life-changing decision over whether he wants to remain at Celtic or move on. Rogic netted in his fourth Glasgow derby of the season at Parkhead on Sunday as his side ran riot against Rangers, romped to a 5-0 triumph and won their seventh consecutive Scottish title. The Australian playmaker's latest goal against the Ibrox club is sure to have increased interest in him among clubs both down south and abroad even further. The 25-year-old, who's been in Glasgow since signing from Central Coast Mariners in his homeland in 2013, only has another year left on his current contract and has turned down an initial offer of extension. However, Rogers is still hopeful of keeping the skillful player, who has been linked with moves down south to England as well as the MLS in the United States, and is comfortable about him taking time to make his decision. Tom is a brilliant player, but you have to respect that a player's career is short, he said. I don't think he's questioning the club, I don't think he's questioning anything here. He's a young guy who was deemed not good enough for some clubs when he was younger. Tom's come over here and it's taken five years for him to really establish himself and show his real talents. In the last couple of years he's been sensational. It's just a life decision really. Tom and his wife are from Australia. If you're a Celtic supporter, you probably can't think of a better place in the world to be than Celtic. But there are warmer and drier places. Tom's a massive talent and we hope we can keep him here. There's nothing sinister in it. He'll take his time and I'll always support players, whatever their decisions are. Hopefully he can stay and agree a longer term deal. Meanwhile, Rogers has confirmed that he expects Moussa Dembele, who missed the game against Rangers on Sunday, to return to the Celtic squad soon. The Northern Irishman left the French striker out of his squad because he's keen for him to be available for the William Hill Scottish Cup final against Motherwell at Hamden later this month. Moussa will be fine, he said. He had a couple of days with his hamstring after the last Rangers game. 
He trained the two days before the game, but we didn't want to risk it. We wanted to win the title, but we have a cup final which we want him to be ready for. This article is by Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 3rd of May 2018. Sports Section. Rangers. What will Steven Gerrard inherit at Ibrox, and where does he need to strengthen this summer? This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Rangers fans have counted them out and counted them in over the last three summer windows, as the Ibrox squad has been overhauled and reshaped at considerable cost. Where Mark Warburton and Pedro Cajinha led, Steven Gerrard now looks set to follow, as he closes in on a deal to become the next light blues boss. The 37-year-old will be backed in the transfer market by Dave King and his board during the closed season as he attempts to add the required quality and quantity to his ranks to enable him to mount a challenge to Celtic in the Premiership and bring silverware back to Ibrox. His inexperience as a manager may be an obvious negative, but his name alone should hold sway with players, while his extensive contacts from his playing career will need to be called upon. Director of football Mark Allen will have a key part to play, and this is the first real test of his credentials in the market and of the scouting department he installed last year. Here, Sport Times looks at the pool Gerard will inherit and where he must add if he's to achieve his ambitions in his first campaign in the dugout. Goalkeeper Rangers have already made a move to strengthen between the sticks after putting a deal on the table for former Ibrox shotstopper Alan McGregor. The 36-year-old may be in the twilight of his career, but he is still a reliable keeper, and his experience of Rangers will certainly be useful. That swoop will surely mean the end of the road for Wes Fodringham or Jack Anik, or perhaps both. Losing the gloves isn't likely to be an appealing prospect for Fodringham, while Anik will want to play more football than he has of late. Up-and-coming keepers Liam Kelly and Robbie McCrory could then make the step into the first-team fold and learn from McGregor at Ibrox. Defence This is the area of the side that needs the most investment, as Rangers look to finally solve their long-running issues in their own half. With David Bates heading to Hamburg, Russell Martin due to go back to Norwich, and Ross McCrory more adept in midfield, Gerrard should be looking at recruiting four centre-backs. Moving on a high-earning Bruno Alves could be easier said than done, but there's more chance of a side taking a chance on Fabio Cardoso, who's shown signs of promise this term, but probably isn't what Rangers need. Rangers have been crying out for a commanding, physical centre-half for some time, and Gerrard must look to build a solid spine as quickly as possible. Alongside that new face, there could be scope for a more ball-playing defender, depending on how Gerrard sets the team up. At the full-back, there are real doubts over the future of club captain Lee Wallace, following the fallout from Scottish Cup semi-finals defeat to Celtic. And while Declan John has been steady enough this term, Rangers need another option – with Lee Hodson and Miles Bierman not up to the task. On the other hand, James Tavernier is now the skipper. Even if Gerard rates the Englishman who could attract interest from south of the border, there is no natural backup in the squad, and that must be addressed. Rangers have conceded too many soft and needless goals once again this season, and Gerard will go a long way to transforming their fortunes by sorting out the back four. Midfield This should become the strongest area of Gerrard's side as he looks to identify fresh talent and improve those already at Ibrox with his fast experience in the game. Scott Arfield has already been secured on a pre-contract, but there could be considerable turnover here. Sean Goss will go back to QPR, while Andy Halliday and Jason Holt could find themselves surplus to requirements. Two of Kajinia's signings, Ryan Jack and Graham Durans, can have roles within the squad, 
but the less said about Carlos Peña, the better, and Rangers could be left counting a heavy cost if they can't shift the Mexican. There's more to come from Greg Doherty and Jordan Rossiter, once compared to Gerrard as he emerged through the Liverpool ranks, has one last chance to impress after another injury-hit campaign. It would be no surprise to see Gerrard bring in a couple of new faces here though, and a creative central player is a must for Rangers. The number 10 role doesn't suit Josh Windus, and the Jers need someone with more guile in the final third. McCrory has the attributes to play as the holding midfielder, and despite a lack of experience, deserves his place in the squad. Another combative ball winner is still required though. Attack There was plenty of debate surrounding Alfredo Morelos after Rangers knocked back a series of bids for the Colombian in January, and only time will tell if they attempt to cash in at the second time of asking. Morelos may have made the headlines for all the wrong reasons at times, but his first campaign at Ibrox has been impressive overall, and he could deliver once again next season. But Rangers badly need another striking option if they're going to challenge for silverware. Jason Cummings hasn't done enough to convince he is that man, while Eduardo Herrera should be moved on. Kenny Miller, out of contract in a few weeks, won't play for the Jers again. On the wings, Jamie Murphy has shown flashes of what he could bring to the side, while Daniel Candeas' input has been impressive, and he's largely gone unheralded throughout a decent campaign. How much of a part both of them have to play will depend on Gerrard's setup, but it is fair to say that Michael O'Halloran, Joe Dodu, and Dalcio, on loan from Benfica this term, will not be needed. Creating chances hasn't necessarily been an issue for Rangers, but converting them has. That cannot continue, and Gerard must find the right formula in the final third. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 30th of April 2018. Sports section. Celtic 5, Rangers 0. No words offered, and none would have been accepted by Light Blues fans. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. In the end, there were no words. In truth, none were needed, and none would have made a difference. Once again, Rangers' actions spoke the loudest and said it all. In the aftermath of the 4-0 defeat to Celtic at Hampden earlier this month, it was left to Captain James Tavernier to address the media, and, fair play to him, he fronted up, said about all he could, and then joined his teammates on the bus. Yesterday, everyone in light blue headed straight for the exit door. There was no press conference from manager Graham Murty, nor a chance to speak to a player, not even one whose purpose was to apologise to the fans for what they'd just witnessed. The words would have been hollow, though. They've been uttered too many times for them to mean anything to a support that have been let down time after time by those they cheer on from the stands. They arrived in Parkhead more in hope than expectation, trying to convince themselves that this was the day they could end their long wait for an old firm win and in the process delay Celtic's crowning moment as Premiership champions. Like the semi-final just a few weeks ago though, all they could do was watch on helplessly as their side were outplayed and outclassed and a seventh consecutive title was secured by Brendan Rodgers' side. This was every bit as humbling and humiliating as the Hand and Horror show for a fanbase that have seen it all and been through it all in recent years. It was abject, it was embarrassing. There was no surprise in what unfolded. It's happened before and it will happen again unless the right man is in the dugout and the right players on the park. It's perhaps for the best that Murty had to keep his thoughts to himself post-match and that the message from the dressing room was one of silence. No excuses could have been offered and none would have been accepted by a support that are disheartened and disillusioned at present. 
when Rangers really had a chance to do their talking, they once again came up well, well short, and the end of the campaign can't come quick enough now. When you lose an old firm game 5-0, and your keeper is still one of the few players to emerge with any modicum of credit, you know how bad a day it's been. Had Jack Anik not made a handful of saves in the second half, the history books would have been rewritten, and Celtic would have been toasting a record win over Rangers, as well as a fifth trophy under Rodgers' guidance. Shambolic at the back, overrun in midfield, and shot shy up front, Rangers contributed nothing at Parkhead. The effort for most was there, but the quality just isn't. For many, this will prove to be their final old firm experience, and when the summer clear-out commences, few can have any complaints at being told their surplus to requirements. In the eyes of the supporters, they've had one chance too many and blown them all, and they don't deserve yet another shot at redemption against their biggest rivals. Three games at home to Kilmarnock and away to Aberdeen and Hibernian have still to be played, but Murty faces an impossible task in the final fortnight of the season. His side have taken one body blow too many, suffered more than their share of heartaches to recover and win all three matches. Second place should never be accepted at Ibrox, but fourth in the Premiership is now expected. It's almost impossible to see how this manager and this side can rise to any challenge that's put in front of them now. After that night in Luxembourg, semi-final defeats to Motherwell and Celtic, and this demolition derby, finishing with three teams above them in the league would be the final ignominy for Rangers this term. A new era will soon begin at Ibrox, but the fear for supporters is that it will be the same old story next time around. As their banners last weekend stated, they deserve better. This article is by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. This article from the Evening Times, Sports, on the 1st of May 2018. Celtic coach Michael O'Halloran frustrated after Glasgow Cup defeat to Rangers. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Michael O'Halloran and Mitch Celtic had no excuses for their final Old Firm defeat as they suffered Glasgow Cup heartache at Firhill. The hoops went down 3-0 to Rangers on Monday night as the silverware returned to Ibrox for the first time in five years. Celtic were dealt a double blow early on as Brodie Patterson saw red for a foul on Josh McPaik before Kieran Dixon scored from the spot after Liam Morrison was penalised for handball. Dickinson spotted home a second before the break to leave Celtic with an uphill task and Kay Kennedy ensured there was no way back for the Lennox Town kids. Parkhead boss Brendan Rodgers watched on from the stands at the under-17 coach O'Halloran was frustrated that his side couldn't make the most of their chance to shine on the big stage. He said, as you can imagine, it is very quiet, but we haven't ranted or raved. We are keeping things calm and thoughtful. We have no excuses, but we know we can perform better than that. Two decisions kill us. The sending off, the reference is closer to it so I can't say it wasn't but the penalty I see it differently I think it was harsh because Liam has his arms at his sides their decisions didn't help us we had to take an influential forward player off to shore it up and we lost a bit of momentum that we had going forward the referee is considering his job and is doing what he thinks is right do you ease up because it is under 17s I don't know because they have to learn we haven't set up properly at our corner and Brodie Patterson was left with the decision to make. He made a challenge and the referee thought it was a sending off. This article by Group Senior Sports writer Christopher Jack. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online 
via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Wednesday the 2nd of May 2018, Sports Section. Rangers directors Paul Murray and Barry Scott stepped down from Ibrox board. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Rangers directors Paul Murray and Barry Scott have stepped down from the Ibrox board. Murray returned to the top table three years ago as Dave King and John Gilligan ousted the former light blues regime. Scott was appointed a director in December after the businessman was part of a group that invested funds at Ibrox. A statement read, Rangers International Football Club PLC, RIFC, notify the resignation of two directors, Mr Paul Murray and Mr Barry Scott. Paul has been a director since March 2015 and played an important role at that time in helping oust the previous board and restore the club to the hands of those who have its best interests at heart. Paul has served with distinction as a director since that time and all at Rangers are very grateful for his efforts. We look forward to welcoming him again as a supporter. Barry joined the board more recently and his enthusiasm and drive were welcome. The board knows it will continue to enjoy his support and appreciates the commitment he has shown to the club. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. The Evening Times on Thursday the 3rd of May 2018. Sports Section. Celtic striker Odson Edward can be Moussa Dembele's replacement, says Brendan Rodgers. This article by Alison McConnell. Brendan Rodgers has hinted that French striker Moussa Dembele could part ways with Celtic this summer, but the Parkhead manager believes that Odson Edouard is his natural replacement. Edouard netted a brace against Rangers on Sunday afternoon as Celtic eased to their seventh consecutive title. Talks with PSG are expected to take place over the coming weeks regarding a permanent move for the 20-year-old. Celtic have an option to buy the striker following his loan deal this term, and Rodgers regards the Frenchman as next in line for the leading forward role. It would take a club record transfer fee to see a long-term deal put through for Edouard, who has netted 11 goals in 28 appearances for the club this term. The received wisdom was that a fee of £8 million had been agreed between Celtic and PSG for the player, but that was scorched by Rodgers some time ago, with the perception being that the Parkhead side will need to go higher than that to see through a move for Edouard. Any prospective sale of Dembele this summer could finance the deal for his fellow countrymen. Mossa is a fantastic player, and the reasons why he's come here have borne fruit, he said. We wouldn't want to lose him, but you have to think, he's a big talent, and something may happen in the summer. We try and have the next one lined up. Odson is a top talent. If you look at him, we brought him in for a reason. He's developed and grown over the season, and this is a wonderful place to continue with that education. We have Lee Griffiths as well. He suffered quite a bit with injuries this season, but he is a top talent. We can use the best of the strikers in the games in order to win. I've said all along, and I knew there were question marks about him, that Odson has everything. He needs an education and has a way to go, but he is a top talent. He probably announced himself to the supporters in the previous league game against Rangers when he got the winner. He showed it in other games, but he won't get carried away. You have to keep players hungry and humble, and keep them wanting to develop. It's up to the clubs. The club will meet with PSG and say where we can take it. Meanwhile, goalkeeper Scott Bain is expected to seal a permanent switch to the Parkhead side in the next week or so. 
The 26-year-old was signed as emergency cover on the final day of the January transfer window following an injury to Craig Gordon. The player had been frozen out at Dundee and hadn't played during his loan stint at Hibs in the opening half of the campaign. However, he impressed at Celtic when called in following a further injury to Doris de Vries and a permanent switch is expected to be formalised imminently. This article was by Alison McConnell. The Evening Times On Friday, the 27th of April 2018 Sports Section SPFL confirm fixture release date for 2018-19 Scottish football season. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. The SPFL has confirmed that the fixtures for the 2018-19 Scottish football season will be published in June. The domestic league season is set to begin on Saturday the 4th of August and clubs from the Premiership, Championship, League One and League Two will find out who they are facing on Friday the 15th of June. A Premiership winter break is set to run from the 31st of December to the 18th of January with the top flight's final fixture round taking place on the weekend of 18th and 19th of May. Championship, League One and League Two action will finish on Saturday the 4th of May and the Premiership playoff final has been set for Thursday the 23rd and Sunday the 26th of May. SPFL Chief Executive Neil Doncaster said, We know that fixture publication day is an eagerly anticipated date in the diary for fans across the country and we're very much looking forward to another exciting campaign of Scottish football in 2018-19. There's still plenty to play for this season, including Helicopter Saturday title decider double in Ladbrokes League 1 and Ladbrokes League 2 this weekend, and the unrivaled tension and drama of the playoffs to follow next month. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Evening Times. This weekly talking newspaper digest was a Q&Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q&Review, and the producer was Jay Kidd. Q and Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity. Number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976